Hello. Welcome back. Tonight, I have a story for you that begins with a mystery. And it's a fantastical mystery that our protagonist has traveled a long way to uncover. But as she learns more and more about the secrets of the Ludomancer, she begins to think, and maybe you will also begin to think, about what fantastical really means and how much magic we already have around us. We are around the campfire, and this is where our story begins. Nobody could tell Axel why the Ludomancer would live in a cave. They seemed to be afraid of him or her or it. Whenever Axel asked, their eyes would dart away, and they would shrug or mutter, all to the same effect. We don't know. It was baffling that a whole population of people knew about the Ludomancer and believed in him or her or it, and yet for them it was no cause for wonder. Axel had seen this sort of thing happen before. Italians building their houses under Mount Vesuvius, so close to the ruins of Pompeii. What if the volcano erupts, she had asked a local taxi driver some years ago. He had laughed at her and shrugged. Closeness turns anything mundane. What a tragedy that those nearest to the most wondrous things hardly ever see them as an outsider can. And even for something as strange and impossible as the Ludomancer, there were no social media posts, no cryptid tourist attractions, no blonde and denim vice news reporters chasing a viral video through the slums. To the best of her knowledge, there were not even myths about it. It was just a feature, like a single stone in a riverbed, obviously real but otherwise irrelevant, almost to the point of unreality. No wonder nobody believes in magic, Axel said to herself. As soon as you know it's real, it's not magic anymore. Her voice echoed playfully down into the mouth of the Ludomancer's cave, egging her onward into the cool depths. She believed in magic. She pressed the rubber button on her flashlight and it clicked under her thumb pleasantly, flooding white LED light into the depths of the cave. She shivered with the thrill of the unknown, her beam of light small within the waiting darkness. The cave broke off into a collection of irregular tunnels, some at ground level, some leading directly down, some thin and crooked, some wide enough to walk through without slouching. She pulled out her notebook, 
made a m rough map of the room, chose a tunnel, and leapt, scuffled, and climbed her way to it. The rock was cold and dry against her hands, solid and smooth like basalt. She had to drop to her stomach to fit through the tunnel she had chosen, but she shuffled as far as she could, trying to keep track of the distance she had traveled. Soon the tunnel opened out to another chamber, with more branching tunnels. Axel marked her map, and then stuck her pencil between her teeth thoughtfully. Quite the labyrinth you have here, Mr. or Mrs. Ludomancer. Or Miss. She had used up a handful of pages by the time she found the door. The pages lay at her feet, forgotten, crumpled and still in the windless dark. Her light was shining on an aged iron plaque inlaid into the surface of a smooth slab of stone with a thin fault line running down its middle. It was dark, and there was nobody there to see, but a person might have seen Axel's eyes light up as she smiled wildly at the door, because it was a door, as anybody who had played a role-playing game before could tell you. Melon, said Axel dramatically. The door stood immobile. Not a Tolkien fan, huh? She drew closer to the door to examine the iron plaque. Okay, let's see. It was a miniature labyrinth, seen from the top down, with little raised irregular walls. Axel dropped to her knees and grabbed a handful of the maps she had sketched. The winding passages more or less resembled the lines she had drawn. She held the paper against the stone, to be sure, and... Yes! Shit, yes! It was an iron model of the cave she stood in. Using her maps as a reference, Axel traced her way to where the cave entrance should have been. There she found a little iron miniature of a person, and as she looked closer she saw that it was fixed on a rail so that it could be slid this way and that around the tiny labyrinth. She checked and double-checked the path she had taken and then pulled the miniature along the same route until it arrived at the place in the labyrinth that corresponded to the spot she stood in in that moment. Nothing happened. She swore and fiddled with the piece, jiggling it left and right gently, and then pushing down on it in place. There was a resounding click, and a loud rattling from behind the stone doors. The miniature sank into the iron plaque, which slid to the side like a latch. Slowly, with a deep grinding sound she felt in her teeth, the passage opened, and Axel stared into the chamber of the Ludomancer. What the fuck? A life-sized mechanical horse cantered past her, ridden by a howling teddy polar bear in a silver tiara. Legions of green plastic army men coordinated artillery bombardments against a fleet of floating toy ships using marbles fired from rubber-band catapults. A stick figure, built of animated paintbrushes, drew an ink-pen self-portrait on the back of a floating ghost costume. Lego villages harvested the wheat from Catan tiles, and regiments of nutcrackers bowed to a black chess queen, while not far away, the black and white kings, having subdued the monarchs of hearts, clubs, spades, and diamonds, were now playing poker with them. The chamber was circular, made of smooth stone that was all but invisible beneath a veritable dragon's troth of playthings.
and each piece of everything was alive. What did you bring me? The Ludomancer's voice cut through that infinite chaos of play, not loud, but unavoidably direct, like a parent talking over the heads of children. It was not a human voice. It had a shimmery quality to it, like rattling beads or a bad Skype connection. The instant she heard it, she could see the Ludomancer. It was sat in a high, stairless chair. It seemed cross-legged, but it was draped in a heavy cloak that made its true shape unknowable. Its face was covered by a white mask that was long, with spots that might have stood for eyes or mouths in black and red. Above the mask rose two long, fine, horn-like prongs that grew in broad arches on either side of its mask and met to form an oval above its head. As Axel looked closer, she realized she could not say if the mask and those horns were accessories or part of the Ludomancer itself. What did you bring me? It said again. One second, please. Axel was staring at the living toys, determined to be amazed to the fullest extent of her humanity. The Ludomancer did not speak again. Once she was certain that seeing the magic had made it no less magical, she turned back to the thing sat in the center of the chamber. Okay, I brought you this. From her pocket, she pulled out a small box that contained five dice, one with four sides, one with six, one with eight, one with twelve, and the last with twenty sides. She held the box over her head and rattled it back and forth. Do you have this already? I have many dice already. Monopoly, the royal game of Ur, Yahtzee, liar's dice. It's for D&D, &D, Dungeons and Dragons? The Ludomancer seemed to consider briefly. Then it raised its arms, and every living toy in the chamber went limp and collapsed in a brilliant cascade of stuff. I do not have that game, it said. How do you play? It's a role-playing game. He plays different characters, and you go on adventures as those characters in a fictional world. Like Cluedo. She smiled. No, not like Cluedo. In Cluedo, you don't have to act like your character. You can just play to win. But in Dungeons and Dragons, you're not really playing the game unless you're pretending to be somebody else in how you talk and think and act. Like dress-ups. Mm, yes, it's kind of like dress-ups. But the world isn't totally improvised like in dress-ups. The world exists beforehand. It's built by a player called a dungeon master, and the features and events of that world are codified in the game system, so you can interact with them consistently. The main difference is that in dress-ups, the players know what's going to happen, or, or they decide. But in D&D, the players don't know what's going to happen, because they're interacting with a world that already exists independently of them. Does that make sense? It is like real life. Yes, it is like real life, but it's, but it's a game. How do you win? She shrugged. You don't, really. It's all about the journey and the things you create and the relationships you build and the cool crazy shit you and your friends manage to pull. It's like real life. Yes, I guess, but it isn't. 
I guess that's the only difference. It's like real life, but it isn't real life. In every other aspect, yeah, it's basically the same thing. Let us play. She sat down and began unpacking her materials. Really only a pencil and some paper, and some printed out D&D 5th edition character sheets. It's really better with more people, she said as she arranged the pages out on the floor. That's fine. We can do single player. I'll control the other characters. She glanced down at the sheets of paper in front of her. Okay. I've prepared a little one-shot. That means it's just supposed to last one session. And that can be like two to five hours, usually. Do you want to make your own character, or do you want a pre-made one? I will have a pre-made character, because I have never played before. Okay, great. Here you go. Your character is... <clears throat> Zilf Wildheart, a gnomish sorcerer. You were assistant to the great elven artificer, who is in the process of perfecting his greatest work yet, the Divine Engine. A magical machine that nobody except your master knew the purpose of. But, in the final stages of his research, his traitorous patron, Baron Vargon, sent assassins to his room in the dead of night to kill your master and steal his research notes. The mystic university shook with the ferocity of his magics as he laid the assassins low one by one, and the sky was lit up with flashes of thunder and ice. But the assassins were many, and even the mightiest warrior can be slain by a knife in the back. You were the only one of his pupils to escape, carrying with you the last remaining copy of his research notes. However, they are encoded in his personal cipher, and also you know that he had not fully completed his research. It has been two weeks since your escape, and you have taken shelter in the nearby hamlet of Greyswallow, where you are traveling in disguise. We find you sat alone in your tiny room in the attic of the village tavern. Now, I want you to think about what your goals are as this character. The Ludomancer paused for a moment, and its head slowly tilted to the side. My goal is to have a great journey, and the things I create, and the relationships I build, and the cool, crazy shit me and my friends manage to pull. She laughed at him. Very clever. But those are our real-life goals. What do you think your character wants to achieve? You have to play the role of somebody else. This is not a game. Yes, it is. Just try it. The mask rotated back to its starting position. I suppose... I suppose my goals are to complete my master's research and fulfill the legacy he left behind for the good of science and for my own burning personal curiosity about the purpose of the divine engine. Axel's eyes lit up. Yes, perfect, you're already great at this. Furthermore, I am grappling with feelings of rage and sorrow because I thirst for vengeance against the Baron and his men for killing my beloved master and for destroying the home I had built for myself at the Mystic University. Yes, perfect. Perfect. You are a lone soul on a quest for redemption and revenge. Although I would really be better off if my goals were to have a great journey and create things and... Okay, I'm just going to start. You are sat on your small bunk, rain pounding down above you on the thatch 
and dripping down in small droplets onto the bare planks of your floor. You only have enough gold on you for another two nights here, and soon you will have to move on. You are lost, alone, and scared. And then you hear a knock on your door. I freeze. I assume it is the Baron's men who have finally caught up with me. Can I try to see who it is? Yes. So you say what you want to do, and then you roll the dice to see how successful you are. I understand. I stand and make my way to the door to peek through the keyhole. Roll an investigation check. Eighteen. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, you see a tall, slight figure in a drenched green cloak. As you watch, they remove their hood and let loose a cascade of red curls. It is a woman, elf or half-elf, you guess, and she is noticeably worried. You are fairly sure that this is not one of Baron Vargen's assassins. She knocks again and glances over her shoulder quickly. I open the door. She starts for a moment as the door opens, and then, when she sees you, she is visibly relieved. Thank God you're here, she says, and pushes past you into the room, closing the door behind her. I ask her who she is. She ignores the question. I don't have much time. I think I'm being followed. Do you have my father's notes? I examine her features to see if she resembles my master. The unmistakable red hair and green eyes seem to indicate that she may be related to your master, who also had red hair and green eyes. I decide to trust her and nod my head, yes. Good, she says. But I bet you can't read the cipher. Luckily, I know where the code book is. She is peering out the keyhole as she speaks, and she opens the door as if to leave. At the last minute, she looks behind at you over her shoulder and says, Are you coming? I nod again and follow. This is the best chance I have of meeting my goals. But as you both step through the door, you freeze in your tracks. You didn't hear footsteps on the stairs, but standing at the top of them is a man wrapped in black silk. The red-haired woman takes a step back and gasps. The man in black draws a long, wicked knife dripping with a thick green poison. You are in combat. So now you have to roll for your initiative. This is not a game. Oh, come on. You're not having fun? I will be the dungeon master now. What? It was just getting good. I thought you loved games. This is not a game. Do you want to make your own character or do you want a pre-made one? She grinned. Wow, okay, okay, okay. Hmm. I'm happy with whatever I get. You know, it's less about your character and more about how you play it. You are Axel, a young female human explorer slash academic multi-class. You were born in Phoenix, Arizona, to a loving family and have had a relatively good life by most standards. Axel gasped at the ludomancer as it spouted her life story. What are your goals as this character? She exhaled, looking at the ludomancer hard. When she replied, she spoke slowly, no longer smiling. To find the Ludomancer, maybe? Why? What do you seek to win? Nothing, I guess. An adventure. Yes. You are a joyful soul on a quest for a journey, and the things you create and the relationships you build and the cool, crazy shit you and your friends manage to pull. Do you see? This is not a game. I don't see. 
Just because you're telling me a true story in this session doesn't make all sessions true. The Ludomancer shook its masked head. You have heard a rumor that the Ludomancer, a topic of much fascination for you, can be found near a small village in rural Brazil. What do you do? I start to learn Portuguese. I keep researching. I book flights for later that year. Roll intelligence. Axel rolled. A twenty. That's the highest possible roll. It's called a critical roll. It means I'm guaranteed some success above just the success that comes from getting a high number. You learn Portuguese at a very impressive pace. Your friends and family are surprised by your devotion and start to take your aspirations more seriously. You book flights in advance for a great price. Okay, but I can do things that I didn't do in real life. Maybe in this game I decide to not take the flight or, or to open the emergency exit mid-transit and crash the plane. Why would you do those things? To test my freedom, I guess. To push against the boundaries. To what end? To have more fun. To surprise myself with the possibilities of what could happen. To have an adventure. And why did you come here in real life? For the same reason, I guess. To surprise myself. To live my life. You take on obstacles and challenges to give yourself a grand adventure. You see, it is the same. But I can play as a wizard in Dungeons and Dragons. I can shoot fireballs in this game. You said it is less about the character and more about how you play it. Pretending is a feature of this D&D, but it is not the point. The point is to exercise your will. You feel an immense pressure from your friends and family to not pursue an education in the field that is interesting to you. What do you do? I study it. Correct. You want to tell somebody that you want to spend more time with them, but for a reason that you cannot justify, you feel that it is impossible to tell them. What do you do? I tell them. Correct. You are standing at the top of a diving board, and you want to jump, and you know that you will not be permanently injured if you do, but you feel that you cannot and your head swims from the height. What do you do? I jump. Correct. Your goals are the same. Your limited control is the same. Your infinity of choice in a fully responsive world is the same. What you are doing now is not a game. It is agency manifest. It is the very purpose and point of conscious life. To call this a game, to call it not real, is to shy away from being alive. I don't understand, said Axel. I think you do, or you would not be here, replied the Ludomancer. Now, would you like to play Yahtzee? If you've never played Dungeons and Dragons, I would highly recommend it. It is a great, well, maybe I shouldn't call it a game, but a great activity. And for those of you who didn't know, uh, when Axel says Melon to the closed door, that's a reference to the Lord of the Rings. It's the secret password that Gandalf guesses to open the doors to the mines of Moria. Sorry if that's a spoiler. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, it deals with some ideas that are pretty close to my heart, so I hope it, it uh, was enjoyable for you, and maybe it meant something to you. Maybe it didn't. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Ludomancer, if you want to learn more about Axel's travels, 
Maybe you want to hear more about their Dungeons & Dragons game. Whatever happened to Zilf Wildheart? Uh, as always, just shoot me a message on Instagram or email us at pleasesendcampfires at gmail.com. That's an AI-generated email address. And otherwise, just thank you very much for stopping by and listening, and I hope to see you next time around the campfire.